listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Arlene Bynum, are you here for Jeff MacArthur? And, well, right now I'm Alan Carter, aren't I? God, I forget who I am. I don't think I look like either one of them. Well, here we have it. You know, as we get ready for the weekend in this summer, where we're all trying to kind of... Um, Squeeze the last bit. Here we have more political action on trying to do something about gun violence and violence in the city. Today, Premier Doug Ford, along with the mayor, John Tory, announcing more money to try to help it. What they're going to do is they announce $3 million in funding. It's going to be over three years. And it's going to go towards the Toronto police and doubling the number of surveillance cameras in the city. They made the announcements today, and they made it at the Toronto Police College in Etobicoke. And first of all, here is Mayor Ford with the reasoning and the way it's going to roll out. The gun violence we've witnessed in the GTA this summer is tragic, it's senseless, and it must stop. The city has made an urgent request for capital operation resources to expand CCTV cameras and coverage, a key tool in the fight against gun and gang violence. We listened, Mayor, we heard you, and we're taking action. Today, I'm proud to announce our government will be investing $3 million over three years to double the number of CCTV cameras operated by the Toronto Police. This money is in addition to our contribution last week, authorizing up to $1.5 million to be used by the Toronto Police Service to put boots on the ground. In total, our government is investing $28 million over four years to fight gun and gang violence in Toronto. My message to these violent criminals to the people terrorizing innocent families is this. We're coming for you, we will catch you, and we will bring you to justice. So there we have very, very tough words today from Premier Ford as he tackles violence in the city. And it's so interesting, I don't know about you, I'm a bit surprised that they went for more CCT. V cameras. Clearly, they're trying to use technology to catch these kind of violent criminals. We know that a lot of this is, of course, happening in urban areas. But it's going to be controversial because cameras, privacy. I don't know. We're going to talk to you about how you feel about this. On the one hand, they're great at catching people and getting information about those who are in the inner city doing crying. On the other hand, where can you go where you're not under surveillance? Uh, Clearly, though, I just want to stick here with this attack that is happening in the city of Toronto on gun violence. And boy, look at all the different aspects of it. We have the conversation that is happening about whether or not there is going to be a handgun ban. We've been promised by the prime minister who was just here last week, or am I losing my mind the week before? Anyway, he picked a Friday. And I know it was before the SNC level and drop. I do know that. I do know that. So that was probably carefully coordinated. And we heard about that this is going to become an election 
issue, gang violence. And it sure is, and it should be. But it seems to be being tackled, in my opinion, in a good way, because it is multi-pronged. Those who talk about a gun ban want some answers, and I want some answers. I still am not clear who where these guns come from. If they're illegal guns from the United States then is a gun ban going to be effective? On the other hand, they also announced that they're going to be doing more about policing. So you're putting money into your policing, and now they're going for CCTV cameras. Now, the mayor of our city of Toronto, John Tory, was at the announcement today, and he explained what this money is going to do. This additional $3 million uh, over three years invested in additional closed-circuit cameras for police will ensure that our officers have new resources to keep our neighbourhoods safe and to hold criminals responsible for inflicting violence in our city. And the mayor talking a lot like the premier. So here we have, let's just look at the optics of this too. We know what happened. Premier Ford came in and some say he was like a bull in a china shop. And he was so forceful. And one of the first things he did was uh, look at Toronto City Council and shrink it. But here we have uh, the province working together with the city of Toronto to do something about a complex issue. And that is gun violence. But the mayor also today saying they would like more money in the city from the federal government. Three tiers here he wants working together. We have seen the value that video can bring, especially in light of the fact that we have people who are literally terrorizing neighborhoods, uh, oftentimes when they don't even live in those neighborhoods, and that the video evidence of their presence in those neighborhoods and the acts they commit there, the acts of violence, are incredibly valuable to the police in bringing those people to justice. I raised this directly with the Prime Minister last week, as I am not satisfied that Toronto is receiving all the help that it needs as Canada's largest city by way of investing in neighborhoods and young people to keep gang activity away. I continue to advocate on this each and every day, and I won't give up. We simply cannot do this alone as a city government. And as I've said consistently, these kinds of investments in young people are an important part of the fight against gangs and guns and violent crime. So here we have it. They're doing something. We know, even if we talk about the gun ban, this is what politicians have to do. We elect them. If they don't do anything, we say, you know, what did you do to contribute to this? But is it going to be solved by policy? Is it going to be solved by policing? Is it going to be solved by a gunman? I'm, I'm going to go to the phones here and take your thoughts because this camera money, the CCTV camera, is it is it going to become controversial? We live in a time where privacy commissioners are saying people are following us on our phones. They know where we go. So it really is incredible that you can't find everything about everybody with the drop of a hat, certainly if you're in policing. But these are going to be more cameras. Is it a privacy issue? I remember when they first put them out. Oh, there was such a great hue and cry in the city of Toronto saying, oh my God. Gosh, we're going to be on camera and we don't know it. And it started happening, of course, in big cities. 
all around the world. And now we just think, okay, that happens all the time. But how far does it go? Are you willing to give up privacy? Do you care? You know, you've got the argument is if you're not doing anything wrong, what do you care? But so much of our actions are, ca- are caught now. They're being used and sold. I know the CCTV cameras are not going to sell our data saying, you know, I, you know, we logged in so-and-so and they're in this area, so try to sell them a hot dog next time they're there. However, it is a creepy feeling, isn't it? So you balance the ability to catch guns and gangs and the ability to catch robbers and all the people who are doing bad things with your privacy. Where do you stand? Do you have a cutoff on this? Because it seems for many people, it has been a bit of a creep. When the CCTV cameras first came in, you'd say, okay, well, if I'm going to go downtown and they're putting them in these areas, well, good for them, because if I'm there, I'm just going to be having dinner or driving through and I'm not a bad guy or bad girl. And now they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And as we watch that chase that happened from the BC spree killing, because they were in the northern part of Canada, it was a real jolt, wasn't it, to think they can't trace them. I mean, how how the separation, all they had were gas stations, convenience stores. But there's miles and miles of bush where we had to realize it was like the old days. They were not on camera. How do you do it? But here in the city of Toronto, we've got a rash of violence. And is this part of the answer? A lot of pushback, people saying, I don't want a gun ban in this city. I think that I'm a responsible gun owner, they say. So why do you just, you know, the phrase nuke the village? And now we've got more and more cameras. What do you say? Privacy or catch them? With that footage, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. I'm Arlene Bynum for Alan Carter. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. For Alan Carter, I'm Arlene Bynum. Happy Friday. Let's go to the phones. How do you feel? Privacy or a solution to violence in the city? The announcement today about funding, it's going to go to CCTV cameras to help guns and gangs the fight. We'll start off with John in Toronto. Hi, John. Our law teacher, Ms. Bernstein, and Green Ted Law taught us that once you lose your freedoms, you never get them back. And the enemy throughout history has always come under the falsehood of safety, always with, well, this is for your own good and for your own safety, fooling you to giving up your freedoms and your liberties. The police have more than enough power to harass and kill innocent people. So don't let them fool you sucker Canadians with this line about, oh, our hands are tied behind our backs, you know? They love the, They love when this happens because they have more leverage to tell John Tory, if you don't give us what we want, you're going to look real bad, you know? It's, we don't need a police state. Are you, are you concerned already about the amount of cameras as you live your life? Say it again, ma'am? Are you concerned already about the amount of cameras as you live your life? I'm concerned with the police state that we have coming. There's a lot of cameras. If you look very closely at the Presto uh, card system and the TTC, mm-hmm. there's a little hidden black camera staring straight at you. And if I asked at the, the budget meeting, not the police budget meeting, but the uh, TTC budget meeting a couple of months ago. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I asked him the question. I know, right? I asked the technician, mm-hmm. isn't that a camera? Yesterday, he goes, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Take a good look, Arlene. It's a camera. And I asked at the budget meeting, did you ask the transit passengers and taxpayers that, um, did if you, they did wanted you, to be filmed? Nobody not, asked. Worse, but not only filmed, but followed. Did you know that I'm, your press card tracks all <laughs> up your movement? And look, I know. They're all following us all the time. John, thank you. John doesn't like it. He's a bit conspiratorial about this. However, look, it, it seems we are being tracked wherever we go. On the other hand, is this going to help with these kind of bouts of violence? Richard in Mississauga, what do you say? Uh, hi, Arlene. I think first and foremost, the only people that more cameras are going to help are the people that are selling the cameras. And that's, that's a fact. Um, you should know that uh, lawful gun owners are having their names run several times a day by several law enforcement agencies just to make sure everything's good with them. When they go to a gun club, they already have, where I go, there's 30 cameras on you. And so that's a whole other issue, Mr. Tory. It is. To understand We're talking about, yeah, yeah but what about this now, in the violence? Are you willing to give that violence, up, Richard? We, yeah. don't, we don't need more big brother. We need more big brothers for fatherless young men who have joined gangs. We don't have a gun problem anywhere near as much as we have a gang problem, where young men who have no father figure are adopting. I know, but gangs. you know, you look at any any the access to guns yeah. ha- ha- increases from America. This. From, yeah. from America, I know. So, from, so, from so what do we do? But here's my big thing. Finally, Richard, let me ask you: If this catches people, because let's face it, if you're going to get caught. It's a deterrent. If this catches people, do you say, okay, I'm willing to give up that little bit more of my price? Um, I, I don't. I, I think most of these guys, let's face it, are wearing hoodies and sunglasses when they do their dirties. Okay? So that's, that's, that's a moot point, really. Yeah, disguise. That's not a bad point. Richard, thank you. You know, if, if there's more cameras, do they change their face? Joe is in Vaughn. Hi, Joe. Hi. Thanks for making my call. Um, I do. I do sort of agree with it. I, I also mm-hmm. agree with your past callers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a, I am a big gun advocate, and mm-hmm. I do believe in in the right to bear arms as, as a Canadian myself. Um, but yeah, like I don't mind them looking. As I just want to know what they're looking at. And like one of your callers said, he's mm-hmm. right about tracking. Uh, they can track everything you do. Uh, just if I can point, point this out, a colleague of mine this morning said he was talking about something on his cell phone. Next thing you know, an ad popped up. Happened to me. Happened to me. Really weird wow. thing I was talking about, too. And it never, ever... I, I actually, I was telling somebody else that somebody called me and said that their their clothes washer had broken. And I'm t- not kidding you, Joe. Within 15 minutes, I was bombarded with ads for new washing machines. And just from you speaking. And I was just wow, telling that- somebody, hey, that was so-and-so called you... Got a broken dish. Yeah. So, you know what else they can do, too? Like they said, they have a a tracking device. They can track your cell phone, too, now if they want. Uh, They can turn on cameras, find out what you're doing at all times. Who was in that area? I know. It's scary. On the other hand, I say, look, you know, if you're going to have these things and people are going to be shooting downtown and you can get them, that's fine. I need more information about how they identify people and how this solves crime. Joe, thank you so much. Right now, we've got a, a city not so happy with this. Sam is in Pickering. What are they saying in Pickering, Sam? 
Hi. Um, if people aren't doing anything wrong, mm -hmm. why are they so concerned about cameras? They can come and put 20 on my street and 50 around my house. I'm doing nothing wrong. And uh, who, who's concerned about this? Usually people who are probably cheating on their spouses, buying, selling drugs, uh, doing illegal stuff, uh, bad driving, all that stuff. I don't care really how many ca cameras have saved a lot of lives in Glasgow. Scotland. Yeah, CCT cameras. They, you know, they've been using them all over the world. They use them there. They use them in London. They use them. And then all... you have uh, Google in your house, and you have Siri in your house. I, I worry about these more than the cameras on the street, to be honest. All right, good point, Sam. There you go. He doesn't care about the street. It's true. Are there people who are concerned about these cameras, but they're not concerned about their other technology in Perry Sound? Trevor, hi, Trevor. Hi. Good day. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. good. You... Okay. I called in a month ago about this. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I think the, the answer is quite clear. These guys laugh at minimum sentences or getting a slap on the head. It's time to lock them up. You use an illegal weapon of any sort, you're going away. If you hurt somebody while you're doing it, you're going for even longer. There should not be any bail. Uh, I think this is a waste of money with the cameras. And if we need more uh, 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 feet on the uh, ground, why don't we bring the Army in? If this is such an emergency, bring the Army in and let them do a square-by-square, square, whatever, uh, cleaning up of Toronto. What's the Army going to do? Clean it up. Do a search-by-search. Search. What, what are the cops going to do? Well, if you, don't, uh, if you don't agree with cameras, surely you don't want to be invaded by an Army. Well, One's more invasive cop, than what, the other. What, what is more police on the ground going to do that the Army can't do? Uh, if it's uh, such an emergency, send them in and do a sweep. Let them do some monitoring. All right, Trevor. And jail, jail these people. Yeah. Well, they're trying to. Thanks, Trevor. I know, I know. Army is a bit much, isn't it? Uh, Brian in St. Catharines. Brian. Wow, here we go again. Take it away from me. Honest, law-abiding citizens. I've had a gun for 55 years, used handguns all over the United States. Mm -hmm. everywhere. What about the cameras? Anymore. The cameras aren't going to stop someone from shooting. These guys walk out and raising daylight. Why don't you take the money and put it into prisons, and these guys that are caught with... Illegal weapons gets five years. Then we'll talk about what you did. If you commit the crime, there's... Yeah, but you got to catch them. And I think that's what oh, they're, they're saying. This is guys. helping people. Well, then why are they just making this oh, up? Like, clearly, they must have had some positive results from these CCT cameras. Hey, the last two guys that got arrested got out on bail and committed mm -hmm. the crime again. I got a slap in the wrist. I'm not saying it's not multi-pronged, this. There's a lot that needs to oh. be done here. So but, take the money, put it on a prison cell, leave them in it. If you can't live in society, I can. I don't make a decision to go use it. If I'm walking down the street with a legal gun and I get caught, I get five years, no questions, nothing, and put it into a prison. Put the money where they want to be. If you don't want to follow society, get out of it. Right. Um, I just, it blows me away. We keep spending all our taxpayers' money. No one wants to put them away. There's also a culture issue and a community issue that nobody wants. Yeah, we're we're talking them. about a lot of it. There's, it, there's oh, a, yeah. They're doing a lot. They want to put boots on the ground. You know, we're talking community centers. We're talking gun bans. But this is about the cameras. Brian, thank you. He's he's clearly thinks it should go into jails. Peter in Toronto. Hi, Peter. Is there anybody who doesn't really care about these? I think we've had one. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I think the camera situation is just inevitable. I think there's just going to be more and more cameras. I don't agree with it, like your earlier callers, but I think there's a section to this nobody is looking at. And the fact is that there are people funneling guns to 
to, to the gangs. The gangs are the low-level criminals, but they're higher-level criminals making way more money, and nobody's talking about them. Because the gang, yeah, but if you the catch gang, the person doing that, then you yeah, you the interrogate them, and that's how you get gun, you find out where to follow. No, it's easy to follow because you can find another poor gang per- person to join a gang to try to sell. So you think they're picking on the people doing the crime? They are the they're poor and not responsible for this. Is that what you're saying? No, they're, they're responsible, but my point is, they're bigger criminals. Make the the, the gangsters don't make the drugs. They are being handed these drunk by higher level criminals. Yeah, the well, it's an organization. Not- we know that, but so if you commit a crime, they gotta catch the people here. Peter, thank you. I just want to get some more voices on here. We've got a, as I like to say, a robust conversation happening. Raul in Toronto. Hi, Raul. Hi. Uh, three million, three point something million for those cameras works out to be, I'm guessing, two hundred to three hundred something thousand per mm-hmm. camera. Mm-hmm. And to put put that sort of are my taxes, John, dear John Tory, and uh, what's his name, Doug Fraud, put my taxes into. Uh, the p- hands of the police who engage in misuse of arbitrary power. And speaking of people with power... Catching people up, committing crime is arbitrary power. The police who were caught bringing drugs and weapons into the country multiple times. It was on AM640 as well as uh, the other station that used to work at. Um, quite frankly, I don't, I don't trust this. Um, I can't trust the police. In it. And it's, it's a fallacy if you believe if you're innocent, you have nothing to worry about. I was paraded around half naked in the mall at age 13, illegally arrested, illegally detained, stole absolutely nothing, yet I was still slapped with tickets and humiliated, assaulted, traumatized psychologically. And uh, we're paying for all of that. We don't need that. They need to stop goofing around and start doing the job instead of allowing illegal aliens to come through our borders. Raul, thank you. We're all the way back to illegal aliens. We're just talking about gun and gang violence in the city of Toronto. Cody's in Woodbridge. Cody. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Do you want these Uh, cameras? uh, You know what? To be honest, I don't think it's going to make a difference if you have them or not because these criminals are still going to do what they do. What I believe is uh, the, the, um, the penalties should be tougher. I agree with the last caller mm-hmm. who said uh, a five-year minimum. I'd rather do a 10-year minimum. What about if they do it all? What about if that's tougher, they put more police, and they put the camera, so if you do it, you get a better chance of being identified? Yeah, I'm fine with that. But to be quite honest, I don't think it's going to stop any of the criminals from doing what they do. Because uh, uh, over there in Wilson Heights, uh, where most of the shootings happening, they already have cameras there. And that's not stopping them. Yeah, but they must know something. They're not just doing this. No, I, I agree, but I honestly think it's our, it's, it's, our, it's our laws. They're too soft. They're too weak. And these criminals just laugh at it. So well, maybe this is. I get what you're saying, Cody. Thing. I get what he's saying. He says it's too soft, too weak, but you got to catch people to be tough. I have to say, it, do, it does appear, if we were doing a straw poll here, there is a, a little bit of pushback to these cameras. Dean in Burlington. Hi, Dean. Uh, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Do they think any differently in Burlington today? I'm in Clarington, actually, but uh, oh. yeah. Um, I work at the nuclear plant, uh, mm-hmm. 30 years there, and every day when I go into work, there are cameras everywhere, mm-hmm. armed guards, yeah. x-ray machines. Mm-hmm. Um, we have dogs show up occasionally to check mm-hmm. for drugs, and that's just the way, way it is. is. With that, with that type of employment. When I'm out in public, I don't have a great deal of expectation of privacy. When I'm at home, I have a very strong mm-hmm. expectation of privacy. 
um, I do think that having cameras set up will assist them in catching some criminals. Um, it's not the only solution. It's not the perfect solution. There's lots of societal issues. But I do believe that the cameras will do more than a gun ban will on, on licensed gun owners. All right. Dean in Burlington, thank you. Wow. Well, you know, as we say, they're doing a lot of stuff here. And this one, they're, they may get a little pushback. We're going to take a break and we will return for Alan Carter. I'm Arlene Bonner. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There is, in case you didn't know, an election campaign around the corner. And we've been talking about it. I know I've talked about it here when I'm sitting in this chair, that all the all the forecasts tend to say this is going to be a very, very nasty election campaign. And then look at everything that's happened. Even in a couple of weeks, we had the SNC-Lavalin second rodeo drop, the ethics commissioner's report. It wasn't good. It was scathing towards the prime minister. And then we're getting the beginning of a pushback. The Liberals crawling out of their first SNC hole. And now there has been a a great hue and cry, as I say, about the conservative leader, Andrew Shears, his personal views on gay marriage. Now, here's what happened. In case you have been in a cave for the last 24 hours, there is a video that has been brought to light, and it is from 2000. 2005 House of Commons, a speech about same-sex marriage from Andrew Scheer. And in the video, Andrew Scheer questions this, talking about if it becomes legal. I'm going to just play a little bit of that clip now. They do not have its inherent feature. As they cannot commit to the natural procreation of children, they cannot, therefore, be married. So there we go. We have the Liberals challenging Andrew Scheer, saying, you're not going to a pride parade. And here's this video, and you know, this is perhaps going to go a couple of different ways. You know, when I saw that clip, I was put in the Wayback Machine, and in the Wayback Machine during that time... Now, there may be a demographic who doesn't remember this, but the whole country was talking about this thing called gay marriage. I had grown up, there was no gay marriage, and gee whiz... They were going to legalize it. Everyone, it didn't matter where you go, they said, what do you think about gay marriage? I'm, as a journalist, I would say to people I'm interviewing, you know, when I mean, we talk about the world we live in, where do you stand on gay marriage? And it became an evolution. There were people who didn't vote for it, including the safety minister, Mr. Goodale, Ralph Goodale, who circulated this video uh, a few years before. You know, there were a lot of liberals questioning this. So this is from a long time ago. People's thoughts, people's feelings about things change. The good thing, I think, is when we look back on there, we're reminded of where we came as a country. I remember the conservative leadership campaign. And at that time, I knew Belinda Stronach. She'd been a friend. I was helping her out. She was for gay marriage, and she didn't think twice about it. And she's like, I'm a conservative And I'm for gay marriage. But it was a huge conversation. What did it mean? 
and, and there were people who were maybe not for gay marriage and wanted it called something else. It was a process. So here we have this, and you can see there was a pattern. The prime minister went into a gay bar, and many people, including myself, I mean, it's great. You know, if, if that optics, he's an optics prime minister, I haven't agreed with it, certainly thought India was over the top. But if that optic works and helps people, fine. But are we using it in an election campaign? And we have to put things in context, don't we? I think this is a great opportunity for the conservative leader to correct and talk about transformation. I know he had a comment about within the context of law. So this is where the liberals want to go on this. Now, so far, it has been very successful. We're talking about this, and we're not talking about SNC-Lavalin, are we? We're talking about some something else. They're, they want to differentiate. And let's face it, it's fair. It's war. It's an election campaign. They want to say, if you vote for the conservatives, this is what you're getting. However, I wonder, and I, I wonder if it, if it may not kind of backfire, do you think? Because when we hear it too much, when we see things and it looks like a plan, is, is it going to work? You know, anyone who's in an election campaign, they tell me fear is your deal. Fear will get you. And you see all sorts of political parties use fear. This is going to happen. You know, if these people are allowed to do this, your liberty, fear of the unknown. And now in our campaign, there's going to be uh, clearly two different sides here. But the liberals are trying to put a lot of fear into the conservatives. I think this is an opportunity for the conservatives to correct it. But I wonder if we want to start dragging, is this going to start something here where we're all dragging up old tapes? And you can bet, I mean, are the conservatives dragging up tapes of liberals who wondered? And are we not all allowed to go through a process and change our minds? Because at that time, it was not legal. And people were starting to think, what if... And how would it look and how would it be and how legal will it be in gay marriage and what would it look like and what happened if there was a divorce and all those things. And I don't know about you, but I don't think about that from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. It all worked out as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, when I hear this tape and and see this controversy, it may be a little bit unfair to judge people on how they looked at things at that time. I remember having conversations with people in the gay community who were even, you know, they were talking about it. It was, it was, it was a development, and it worked out really. It, you know, our country just shouldn't debate this anymore. So opportunity for the conservatives, but if the conservatives respond and this gets put to bed, then maybe the liberals won't have anything to attack on in this way anymore. For Alan Carter, I'm Arlene Bond, and we are going to switch things around right now and go back to one of the big stories of the week, high school classes in our province. 
The announcement that they were going to remain the same was announced by the education minister, Stephen Lecce, this week. And the reaction to it has been as one would expect. How's that? (laughs) There are some who say, look, it's not much different than the original one that you said you were going to change. And then there were others saying, look, you know, the class sizes were important to me and Maybe, maybe this is a sign that this conservative government is rethinking things. So high school classes during the upcoming academic year, which is just a couple of weeks away, are not going to be as large as they announced several months ago. Instead, they're going to remain what they call effectively the same, and that's in quotation marks, for the next academic year. And they're going to perhaps negotiate this class size. They're bargaining with high school, they're bargaining with teachers, and maybe they're going to say, look, uh, we'll keep the class sizes this if you do this, but we have to save a lot of money. Sounds very reasonable to me. And it also brings to mind the kind of um, the movement by this government to kind of move back on some of the things that uh, people were reacting to. We're going to find out more about it. Joining me is Ontario's Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce. Thank you for being here. Of course. Good morning, Arlene. All right. First of all, how's it going since your announcement? Some are saying this is the same as the Liberal plan, Minister. Uh, and, we, and just so I'm clear, we are talking about our new health uh, and physical education, correct, Tom? And class size. And class size, okay. I just want to be. There's a now, you got. I know there's a lot going on here, but let's let's begin with with class sizes here. Sure. You know, oh. there was a there was an announcement earlier. I'm going to tell you what's happening in your government. You already know that that they were going to become larger. I guess the big question is: Is this a sign that that is not going to happen? Well, what I've indicated, Arlene, what I announced yesterday is essentially following through on the plan that was announced in the spring, which is in September of 2019, as we have said, that the classroom sizes for this year would effectively be the same as last year. Now, we've said that. We said it would be 22 plus attrition. That's the provincial average. In Ontario, the average is 22. So it averages out to about 22.5, so a rather modest change. Now, my point yesterday was, A, I had to announce the regulation, so I've now done that as per the statute. Every year, the Minister of Education, whoever it is, whatever the party, has to go out and explain the classroom size and communicate that. We've done that. The second part of it was to debunk this misinformation in the mythology out there that there's going to be massive classroom size in September, massive layoffs of teachers and major reductions in support for special education. In every single one of those, I have been able to debunk them. We've increased funding in special ed to the highest number in the provincial history. We've more than doubled mental health funding. We've increased at the highest levels busing to make it more accessible for families in suburban and rural and as well as urban parts of the province. I mean, in every area, the misinformation that's been out there serves no one. It doesn't help parents. It doesn't instill confidence in educators. And it certainly doesn't help our kids as we work to land a deal. Okay, let me, if I could just stop you for a moment, Minister. Lisa Thompson, your predecessor, said in March that in order to reduce the education budget, the average secondary school class size would increase from 22 to 28. Is that the misinformation you're talking about? 
No, I'm I'm suggesting that uh, that uh, uh, that there are elements in society uh, out there in the media over the past several months suggesting in September that there would be dramatic class increases and the sky is falling. And what I'm asserting to is you is 22 to 28 dramatic, or is that to be expected? Well, in the first year of the plan, it's 22 plus attrition, which is 22.5. And I'm juxtaposing the facts as announced against a rather regrettable. Um, a rather regrettable narrative out there that it's going to be much different. And so my obligation is to communicate those facts. This year, there will be effectively no change in classroom sizes. Now, what I've signaled for the next year, for 2020 mm-hmm. and beyond, which is, you know, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll want to know about what the intentions are, we're negotiating at the table in real time. I've called on all parties, unions and trustees association to work with me in good faith and land a deal. So this is a bargaining. This is a bargaining situation. So if the cost can be found elsewhere, this may not happen. We are in active negotiations, as you know, with all unions in the province, nine tables. We're working hard on that. But my, 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 my mission throughout this process is to land a deal to provide predictability to parents. I don't like the fact that they're, you know, there's an element of anxiety. What's going to happen to my kid's future? I want to provide that certainty, that predictability. And that's why I've said when it comes to the years thereafter, I mean, we're two weeks from September, so I must regulate. I must, you know, introduce a, regular, a number of the class size average. Because I they just you know September starting in a couple of weeks, but for the year after, I'm signaling to the people of this province that I'm open in good faith to look at any innovative idea, any s- solution that could help bring those numbers down within our fiscal authorities. But that has to happen at the negotiating table. I'm I'm signaling that. I mean I've said that publicly and privately before, but I'm emphasizing it to you and to your listeners because that reasonableness, that openness. Look, how we can, through innovative options, reduce that number is in the public interest. I'm looking at that seriously. Okay, can I, I can I just ask you... At the, at the table. All right, can I just ask you uh, the difference here? So the announcement you're making, uh, would it be fair to say that it was, as Lisa Thompson said, there was a, a move to take them up to 28 students, but now that is going to stay the same? And if this is resolved in a bargaining process, it won't happen. But what if it's not? Is 28 students per teacher still a possibility? Well, I think it's hard. I mean, Arlene, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a hypothetical question because you're asking me to opine on where the negotiations are going to land. So I'm not going to do that. I, I can't do that. And nor do I think it's in the interest of the public for me to start guessing about where things will end. My mission is to land a deal. It is to get those authorities to the table bringing forth ideas that can reduce those classroom sizes and ultimately improve the student experience. I, I, that's what I'm trying to do. It's what I've been doing for the last 40-odd days as Minister of Education in the province, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I mean, I'll keep, I'll keep talking to you and to your viewers throughout the process to update you on our progress, but it just is a bit premature to say where we're going to end up in one or two or three months. I don't mm-hmm. know. But, but the but new I'm, part of this is that it, it's going to be a brought up in the bargaining process. I just want to ask you, you talked about communication and you were saying that things were being communicated that were not true. Is there a new emphasis on communication from your department and your government? I think there's an emphasis on just distilling the facts of the people of this province. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, there's we, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, suggesting one authority is responsible. We all have a duty to do a better job to transparently communicate the motives and the policies that are going to impact both positively and otherwise the people of Ontario. My obligation as a minister 
is to make sure that we're talking to people about the things that they care about. And I hear about mental health issues all the time, and I want your viewers to know we've more than doubled the budget from the height of liberal spending of $14 million in education to over $40 million this year alone. I want them to know in special education for kids with exceptionalities, we've, more, we've increased it to the highest levels in the history of the province, in busing, in French language. In each of these areas, as a matter of demonstrable fact in our budget, we've increased them to the highest levels. That is because we are not just investing in education, we are defending public education, and we see it as a, we see it as a vehicle to prosperity for the future of our problems. Okay, let me just ask you, you know, all those things are very commendable. You know, I don't have to tell you, there's been a kickback on these cuts sure. as there usually is. Would you say that this is a new direction for education in Ontario? Do you think there was a bit of a misstep there in communication? You know, I, I think we are just trying to uh, focus, drive forward an agenda where young people are able to get in the classroom in September, optimize their skills, learn about, um, you know, learn from safety, from our uh, physical health education curriculum to mental health, to support for math. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's building upon incremental successes of the past. And this actually, you know, successive governments, you know, I, I'm not challenging the motives of, of former ministers of education. I just think we all have to do uh, a better job communicating the facts as they relate to the children okay. and the two million youth. And I think we're doing that by talking about the investments, talking about the enhancements, talking about the new curriculum in math and physical health that I think is both effective, that is relevant and labor market focused so that these kids could exit ex- education with a good paying job. Ontario Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, Arlene. All right. Happy Friday to you. So there we go. You know, there has been criticism against this government. that It's a communication problem, clearly uh, trying to hit that reset button on communication and giving us more information. The new part to me seems that they did announce that they were going up to 28. And now they're saying, OK, we're going to bring it up in the bargaining process. And I don't think anybody can fault them for that. If there can be other costs. Uh, that have that can be absolved then hey then I, I guess they can push back so you know the good part of this is i will say if people governments try to correct the communication listen to the people who voted them in that you can not do anything but cheer them on for that